All right. I'm ready. Are you ready, Freddie? Welcome to season two of Conversation Nuggets, friends. Episode one. So, as we always do, what's going on with you, Amber? What's going on? Well, what's going on with the whole world? Let's just say it, in case you're listening to this many, many months later, this is during COVID-19 pandemic. So we're all quarantining at home and working from home. But anyway, oh my goodness. Um, running, hanging out with Meb, reading. I ran a marathon last Sunday. You biked next to me. I did. Because I couldn't run it in a race setting. So why not have someone bike next to me? That's pretty fun, right? Yeah, I made sure she ran all 26.2 miles. (laughs) Yeah. Let's see. I feel like that's basically everything that's happened. Yeah. And we know there's this whole situation going on in the world right now. But there's plenty of other sources where you can get that news. We want to be a little bit more light and positive so that's what we are here for Uh, even if we don't address it don't let that discount how serious that issue is and with that on to our first topic so uh, i'm sure you guys have all heard of the hit show breaking bad love that show so much yes seriously if you guys haven't watched it go watch it right now just turn the podcast off and go watch every single episode of all six seasons Something like that. Yeah, but fantastic. And what better time than to binge watch on stuff right now. Anyways, so there's also like an internet game. You know those like games where you like just click on stuff and it's like, it's like a, basically they call them clicking games. Um, and there's ones based off of like various things. Like there's ones like based off lemonade stands where you start off with like a dinky little lemonade stand and you click a button to sell a lemonade and then you get that's how you sell products and you make money off of that and then like you can buy upgrades and just keep clicking away and then like eventually you can buy like auto clickers and then like people to oh sell gosh. like your stuff and then like you basically it's basically a very huge like time waster but anyways there was this one that was recently made off that idea based on breaking bad so like you're selling meth but you start off with like one little dinky meth lab thing and then you have to like keep selling math to upgrade your stand and your equipment and it'll build your empire and like that i thought i recently got into it it was like very good for like wasting time which we all have plenty of these days and i thought if any of you guys are interested um in and have some time to waste then there is a link it's called clicking bad at nullism.com and I'll link it in the episode description if you guys want to check it out. But it's just something fun if you guys have some time to waste. Interesting. Yeah. That's that's kind of that's pretty amazing. I was like, I don't know if to say if it's kind of fun because I'm not like a big games person, but I kind of like that they turned it into a game because had Breaking Bad not existed, there's no way a game would exist where you're selling meth because they'd yeah. be like that's completely inappropriate. But thank God for Breaking Bad. Because now people can get away with making up these games. Because yeah, they're like, it's, um, it's just based off baking bread. Yeah, it's not like a traditional game. It's a very like hands-off game. Like You still do other stuff in multi-death while you're playing. <laughs> um, okay, and what's next, Amber? All right. So, very exciting title here. Faithless Electors slash Supreme Court. So, 
Um, we try not to get too political on here, but I just thought this was fascinating because I don't really know that much about politics. So I find, I just found this a very interesting article. So um, Harvard professor Lawrence Lessig has told the Supreme Court in a court filing that members of the Electoral College shouldn't be punished for voting their conscience when it comes to presidential nominees because this is a case that has gone all the way to the federal Supreme Court. In theory, um, a Supreme Court ruling allowing so-called faithless electors would add a new level of uncertainty to a race with no guarantee the winner of the popular vote in a state would get the state's full number of electoral votes. Um, members of the Electoral College get their authority from the U.S. Constitution and not the states. So, for example, Hillary Clinton won the state of Washington in the 2016 presidential election, but she didn't collect all of the state's 12 electoral votes. Uh, so Washington State Supreme Court held that the state would regulate the vote of an elector. Um, they could either directly or indirectly uphold a $1,000 fine for Clinton defectors, so anyone who didn't actually vote for Clinton, even though she had that popular vote. So now the Supreme Court is ruling basically on the same um, case for the entire U.S. The court, um, they said this court should restore the practice that has governed for more than 220 years and make clear that while states have um, powers to appoint electors, it is the electors who have the power to vote free of state control, wrote Lessig. A state must appoint electors, but once that happens, he argued, its power ends. Um, most states currently require some kind of pledge from an elector to vote for the party's candidate who won the popular vote in the state. Again, had that been in place, Clinton would have won Washington for electoral votes. So Lessig suggests a hypothetical to the Supreme Court asking that if states are allowed to enforce who electors vote for, there may not be a way to stop them from adding other conditions such as blocking candidates who don't release their tax returns. Uh, he was quoted saying, if a state has the power to direct electors to vote consistent with election returns, a state has the power to forbid electors from voting for candidates who fail to release their taxes or their tax returns who failed to visit the elector's state or who failed to commit any political position deemed by a state legislator to be important and incorrect. Um, Washington State Attorney General Bob Ferguson says the real purpose of the lawsuit is to eventually end the Electoral College altogether. Uh, he wrote earlier this year urging the Supreme Court not to take up the case, saying their purpose is seeking this ruling to destroy public faith in the Electoral College. And there is a ruling expected by July from the Supreme Court. I just found this interesting because I know I've whined to my mom about it before. <laughs> Other people, though, and I'm just like, why do we even have the Electoral College? Like, I, I genuinely don't get it. I understand if somebody votes, like, a mayor or a governor to office. Like, you're voting on somebody whose maybe beliefs and who they fall into a party that falls along your political line like they have the same mindset as you on gun rights and something like that so you're voting them into office assuming okay whenever something gun related comes up they'll probably vote the way i want them to but i'm like what else does someone in the electoral college do why are we putting somebody why are we giving somebody some sort of title if they're just gonna do the opposite of what the state wants them to do. If the entire state has a popular vote and says, like, we want Hillary Clinton to be president, and they're all just like, no, I'm just going to vote the other way. Like, what's the point? I don't get it. And that's just why I bring this up is I don't get it. I don't understand an electoral college. Please tell me if you do. I just found it very frustrating. And I was like, um, I'm team get rid of electoral college because it doesn't make any sense to me. 
Yeah, I'm, I agree. There's been a lot of criticism, especially after the last election, about, you know, why do we still have the electoral collage? Um, so... Collage? Is that what it's called? Is this, is this another word, you guys, that Paul says incorrectly? He just said collage. It's called college. Way to, way to call me out. But anyways. <laughs> I promised you that I would. But anyways, that. <laughs> there's been a lot of... Yeah, so... And... I guess the electoral college is supposed to have like representative represent like a specific geographic area, but people within that geographic area might be heavily split on like certain issues or who they want to vote for and things like that. So I feel like it's very hard for the electoral college to or college, sorry, represented to even like vote according to what their constituents want. So I feel like the popular vote would really, I don't know, like if I wanted my vote to count, then I would probably want to go with like going with the popular vote. Um, it would make my vote feel more counted. Um, and that's just, I don't know, that's the way I feel. I agree. And I, and like... I understand that there are certain circumstances where having a representative can give a greater voice to like people but i feel like that only works if the general population that they represent is mostly um kind of um unanimous in what they believe in and they could be represented that way but if you have like a diverse population that you're representing it's hard i feel like it's not very beneficial in that situation i agree with you so i think it bothers me when you when I see ads. I don't know if you've seen ads, but when I've seen ads where they're like, "Every vote counts. Make sure you vote." And I'm like, "But I feel like every vote doesn't count because this is a clear example where popular vote wins, but electoral college is like, no, I'm just gonna vote this way instead." Mm-hmm. So I don't get that. And then when I think of people being voted to represent groups of people, I'm like, "Okay, that's like a state senator or like I'm not even sure if House representatives are voted into office or if they're." like chosen by somebody but like there's other positions like mayors and governors and stuff where these people are voted into positions to make decisions based off of the people that voted them there but i'm like yeah again like i just feel like when it comes to electoral college like why does my vote even matter where is it going what are you doing with it if you're just going to disagree with it and be like no i think my decision's better yeah it, it definitely the electoral college definitely makes our voice or our vote seem have less weight um especially in situations where they go with a choice that's that wasn't your vote that wasn't the popular vote yeah and i think that is that what happened um, with oh my gosh was it bush and gore where al gore had like votes recounted in florida because maybe i feel like that was what happened was that he won the popular vote but the electoral college oh man I don't know. Anyway, again, I don't know that much about politics. I just found it very interesting because I was like, I've never understood the Electoral College or why it exists. Yeah, I didn't I didn't pay um, too much attention to social studies either. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm on the same page. All right. Our next topic is about otters juggling, which may sound cute at first, but it's actually um, from an article published by CNET. It's about researchers from the University of Exeter in England who believed that um, otters were um, juggling, um, and it seemed like they were just juggling rocks or pebbles that they found on the ground, 
it really doesn't even seem like juggling it seems like they were just fumbling the rocks or like t throwing them around but they say that it's because they're hungry and excited as like feeding time gets closer and closer um they get they're like hungry and they're excited and they're like juggling the rocks so it seems kind of cute it makes me think of like um when people are like oh i snack too much and the advice is like oh drink a cup of water or like go do something that like busies your hands so your mind isn't on it yeah it, and i saw the video too they posted a couple videos in their article to me it seemed like they were actually like just frustrated and more like hangry so they were just like picking up some rocks and fumbling them around like oh god damn it i want some food that could very well be the thing but otters are like basically always cute so i'm sure some people saw it too and were like oh my god look at the cute otters yeah so yeah, I'll post a link to the article in the description so you guys can check it out for yourselves. All right. Cute. What's up next? All right, up next. Or do you want to take a break? Mm, let's get this one. All right. And then break time. All right, athletes and napping. Okay, so it's common knowledge, at least in the fitness world, um, that athletes sleep a lot. So survey studies find that about half of national team athletes are regular nappers. Um, those are like people that represent the U.S. on a national level. Um, so there's new findings coming from researchers at Longborough University um, working with the English Institute of Sport. They did a study where they invited three groups of 10 people, so it was 16 men and 14 women, to come into their lab and take a 20-minute nap. So elite athletes who averaged 17 hours of training per week uh, that was one group. There was another group that was sub-elite athletes who averaged nine hours of training per week and then non-athletes. So the key question of the study was how quickly, if at all, would the subjects be able to fall asleep? Um, so the elite athletes were the quickest to fall asleep and then the non-elites um, were the worst and the sub-elites were somewhere in the middle, basically as expected. So um, the researchers also assessed how much each person slept the night before and how tired they felt at 2 p.m., 2.30, and 3 p.m. immediately before their nap opportunity in the study. Um, so their sleepiness was assessed on a nine-point scale, which is called the Karolinska Sleepiness Scale. And on the measures, there was no difference between any of the three groups, the elites, sub-elites, and non-athletes. Um, so the athletes got just as much sleep as non-athletes and they had virtually identical levels of sleepiness so they weren't excessively tired they were just better at falling asleep um, so researchers link it to a finding called sleepability which is the skill of falling asleep quickly um, and that was something that surprised me because i've always been somebody that like doesn't really like napping unless i'm exhausted so i never would have thought it would be a skill to be able to fall asleep quickly um, so the, the guy who wrote this article, he was kind of explaining that like, it might just be that athletes are better at managing levels of hyper arousal that interfere with sleep, um, or they simply have lower levels to begin with. So he was saying like, compare a busy racing mind that keeps you awake at night to the same like busy racing mind that prevents you from hitting a free throw or like running a really good race. So he said elite athletes might be better able to turn off the ladder and then that helps them with the former so they can fall asleep better because they're better able to, and I think meditating, there have been studies that meditating is like a common practice among elite athletes, their sports psychology, so they're better able to dismiss those like cluttered busy thoughts. Um, and then 
he also talked about a long-running debate about why people do or don't nap. So there was a 2018 paper from researchers at the University of California, Riverside, and it talked about five different types of napping, which I'm only going to reference three here because nobody really cares. <laughs> but they summarized it with the acronym DREAM. Um, so the D is dysregulative, where you are napping to compensate for shift work. So if you're working 12 hours a day and then you have 12 hours off, you might have a strange sleep schedule. Or if you're sick or if you're in a really heavy training mode, that's dysregulative naps. Then there's restorative naps, where you might sleep really badly the night before, so the next day you might need a nap. And then there's appetitive naps, where you enjoy it. It's just like a habit, and you just like feel better when you nap, so you do it. So um, previously, intuition suggested that athletes napped for the dysregulative or restorative reasons. So because they had really high training, um, their bodies were so exhausted, they couldn't get enough sleep at night to compensate for all the training they were doing, so they had to nap. Um, but then the new Longborough results, where it's the three groups of 10 athletes, it kind of suggests that athlete napping is actually appetitive. So they're not excessively tired, um, but naps make them feel like they perform better. So they said and put it another way they just have high sleepability they just like are really good at falling asleep and it's just like a peaceful way to spend their time um so he what i really liked about the article was at the end he was like kind of just suggesting a shift about how we think about naps so he was like they're not necessarily um a warning necessarily i feel like i said it weirdly they're not necessarily um, a warning that you're failing to take care of yourself or that you're drowning in sleep depth sometimes you're just your mind is at peace, your body is at rest, and you're lucky enough to have half an hour to spare in the middle of the afternoon. And I just really liked that. Nice. I know you're like, that was... you tend to nap a lot. Oh yeah, I I love <laughs> napping, and I am a professional napper. Um, so I usually nap at least 30 minutes a day in, in the middle of the day. You probably have high sleepability. Because you've also well, talked about how quickly you're able to fall asleep usually. Well, that's it's weird when it comes to that because I am, if I like am planning to nap, I can fall asleep pretty quickly. But at night when it's actually time to sleep, I don't have that ability. So it's a little bit weird um, and kind of selective. But I do know that kind of like blocking out all the race, racing thoughts um that really helps so usually when i'm napping i'll try to deprive myself of like all other senses so i'll have like either an eye pillow or like something to cover my eyes um and then i also have like white noise just to dry and drown out everything everything out um and i try to deprive myself of all senses so i don't know like how much time has passed and things like that and that really helps you know, so I'm not thinking about anything. I'm just focusing on the white noise, which white noise, there's nothing there. So there's, it's really helpful to like blank out my thoughts if you just focus on that. So I feel like that has something to do with it. And then like, sometimes I do have white noise for um, sleeping at night as well, which also helps. So I feel like just that ability, maybe elite athletes are really good at tuning out those racing thoughts um all those especially like if they have when it comes to crunch time they have to like perform and they're able to block out all those thoughts i feel like that is like a key ability that ties into their sleep ability i agree it was interesting because i'd never i never would have thought about that in terms of sleeping but reading the article i was like that makes complete sense to me yeah. like it's good mind control it was very interesting 
Nice. All right, break time? Sure, let's take a quick break. We'll be back. Just kidding, not really. Oh my god, but... I really want to use that. <laughs> as like a transition. <laughs> so, a really cool fun fact about dragonflies is actually when they are mating and trying to reproduce. And what happens is that the male dragonfly, they'll grab the female by the back of the neck. Um, and it, it kind of is like a little puzzle piece and it like fits into her and they can actually fly around together while he's clasping her so sometimes you'll actually see that if you ever see two dragonfly like paired up together and if you're like what is that well they're trying to mate and basically what also happens is that if the female is like you know what i like you you're cool i guess that's fine she'll take her tail and she'll like um follow up and clasp on to the uh i guess like the bottom part of the abdomen of the male and they make this adorable little heart and so they're mating at that time and it's like they're creating this adorable little heart it's so freaking cute you should look it up you should look it up but yeah so that's that's my fun fact all right and on to our next topic so um i recently found out that william sonoma has a bunch of like spatulas and mugs um as part of their line of um products to go to like a charity um so one of their lines is going to no kid hungry and they have like um, these rubber spatulas i feel like i haven't bought one yet but i've been eyeing them for a while um it's like a rubber spatula like a wooden handle it looks really nice and i don't know about you guys but one of my favorite tools in the kitchen is a rubber rubber spatula because i use it i can use it for everything they're really easy to clean you can have like a bunch of them um and they also have like some really nice mugs too and they've collaborated with these artists to design um like these spatulas and mugs and they have ones by like Ina Garten and Guy Fieri and Al Roker and all these people. Um, so you can have like a really nice um, spatula or a mug and it's going to a good cause, No Kid Hungry. So I'll link that in the description as well. So if you guys want to check it out. Yeah, I thought this was really cool. Like I'm definitely not a fan of like cooking all that much. It's not my hobby. I'm not normally a fan of like weird printed items in the kitchen I'm like whatever as long as it does its job but I really like the idea behind this that hey it's kind of fun that it's like a celebrity design for like no reason but the story behind that that you're helping end childhood hunger is really cool yeah so yeah so I just want to share that quick thing with you guys Uh, check out the link in the episode notes yeah all right. And William Sonoma, if you want to sponsor us, that's cool too. <laughs> Accepting ads. All right. I think we have one last one. Yeah. All right. Last one. So I know you're already a little familiar with the story, but there's a twist. Not even a twist. Ooh. There's just a fun part that I found interesting. So in case any of you guys haven't heard, Elon Musk and his partner Grimes had their baby on uh, May 4th and they named it something really weird. Hopefully you guys have already seen it by now because it just looks weird. It's the letter X, the symbol like the letter A and E squished together. I don't even know what you would call that. Um, and then space, capital letter A, 
hyphen one two. So again, this is the baby's name. X space AE squished together space A hyphen one two. Okay. Anyway, so they named their child this and everyone's like, what? How do you pronounce it? Why is the baby named that way? Um, Musk was on the Joe Rogan podcast. He basically explained that it was his, he exclaimed. He ex explained. He didn't exclaim. He want everyone to know out loud. <laughs> Shouting from the rooftops. He said it was basically um, mostly Grimes who came up with the name. He was said, it's just X. Then the A-E is pronounced Ash. And then A-12 is his contribution, which was in honor of the plane Archangel 12, the precursor to the SR-71. No idea what that is, but he says it's the coolest plane ever. Um, so I if think we put it's it like basically one of the first planes or like one of the fastest planes that were made it was like an experiment i believe it was like an experimental aircraft made to like specifically go really fast i don't know much about musk but sounds like it's up his alley yeah so anyway if you put the name together phonetically it's something like x ash a12 but the part that i thought was really weird is that so they actually filed um, their birth certificate application, but it was rejected because California doesn't know how to handle symbols. Um, so they have like this family law attorney, David Glass, and he was like, California has been struggling to use symbols, um, but Grimes and Musk have an opportunity to appeal the rejection of the birth certificate application. And I'm just like, that's so unique. But also, I mean, celebrities are known to have very weird names for their children. Are Elon and Grimes just going to be the first people ever to, ha like, have a symbol in their child's name? And, like, is that going to become a thing with celebrities? Um, it's weird to think about, isn't it? I feel like people have tried to put names. I definitely know that, like, people have tried to put, like, the dash. So I guess, like, people, they're more focused on, like, the A-E part, the Ash part. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe. I think it's It'll unique be for sure. Out. Yeah. Um, I feel like it could just be the start of a new trend. I don't know. It'll be very interesting because celebrity names are very strange. I feel like, okay, so nobody's going to call that kid like Megarov. Like, X Ash A12? Yeah. It, like, that's not going to be what they go by. I feel like they're going to be shortened to like X or maybe just Ash. Yeah, and like, how would he sign his name? Like, nobody has time for that nonsense. I mean, actually, I don't really feel like signing his name is that hard. What is it? But a nobody signs X their full a name. They do like their first letter and then a squiggle. There's only so six characters. He's going to go X squiggle. Do you write A-U-L when you sign your name? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, you're weird. I just do A squiggle T squiggle and then F squiggle T squiggle. But then it could be anybody. It could be like Ashley. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But don't you want signatures to... are garbage. But don't you want like the bank or whatever to know that is Amber Finley and not Ashley Finley or I mean if I'm depositing in my account, that's fine. If I'm taking out, they better be looking at a photo ID. Mm. And then just documenting my signature because that's their process. But heck, they already looked at my ID, so that's fine. Mm. IDs can be faked. Mm-hmm. But not everyone has a face like mine. That's true. We're all unique. <laughs> all right. All well, right. That was our podcast for this week. We hope you enjoyed, and we hope to be back with some more non-pandemic-related news next week. 
Yeah. Basically, we took a page out of John Krasinski's book and started decided to do one that's not about the pandemic and just wanted to spread either positive news or anything else that's like interesting but not related to whatever else is going on in the world. Yeah. And also, we paused because I was marathon training and now I'm not anymore. So we have time. Yeah. Time to read and share the things. Yes. And if you enjoyed, also share with your friends, subscribe and like and comment. Definitely comment and send us your thoughts via our email, which is convonuggets at gmail.com. And I promise and I'll do a better job of checking my emails. <laughs> we also hope you thoroughly enjoyed the all natural nugget. Because um, Berkey Lerma, our buddy, did not make a single appearance in season one, but we finally got something for her for season two. So yes, and if you're wondering enjoy. who that was in the middle of our thumbnail, that's who she is, and she's finally made an appearance. <laughs> All, All right. right, bye everyone. Bye.